Join us each week as Andrew, Ray, and others bring us in on one of their weekly phone conversations with an amazing agent. This is Little Oak Weekly. Okay, good morning, everybody. We are, I say good morning. I have no idea when you're listening to this, but I'll say good morning because it's morning for me. Today, uh, I'm going to be calling and talking to Dave Bawa. Many of you uh, will know Dave as a connoisseur of fine foods. He's uh, an artistic cocktail mixer, uh, but he's also a pretty good realtor and um, he's got a lot of great thoughts. So I'm going to give him a call up now and we're going to hang out with him for a bit and see what he's got in his brain uh, looking ahead to 2021. So let's dial Dave right now. Hello. Good morning, my brother. Good morning, brother. We are live and you are being recorded. So you are put on notice that everything you say beyond this point, we forever own. Nice. Swearing or no swearing? <laughs> oh, you do whatever you want, man. I had I'm Jennifer Field on yesterday. That was a shit show. <laughs> I'm just joking, bro. I'm just joking. Okay, I'll keep it PG. I'll keep it PG just in case we want to post it on the interwebs. Hey, we, we want you we want you in the raw, the raw flash, the raw ideas. Uh, looking forward Fair to enough. chatting. Yeah, me too. So you and I actually, uh, we connected yesterday a little bit and talked about um, just a business, kind of a business planning conversation uh, for for next year. And we, we did talk at length about um, some database philosophies and ideas, but I think, uh, and you can ag- agree or disagree with the statement, but one of the takeaways from yesterday was that uh, we felt for, you know, the, the growth that you wanted to see, you needed to develop another stream of revenue beyond your database. And so, yeah, sure. um, maybe you've thought about that a little bit more, but I, I kind of thought we could kick, kick that around and, and hear what you have to say and, uh, and see what comes of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, uh, just for background, why don't you give, why don't you just give us the high level on, uh, the kind of volume you've done in the last couple of years and, and what your business consists up to this point? Yep. Um, started real estate in 2014, a couple of years after I moved uh, to the mainland from Victoria. Uh, first couple of years, I was full-time uh, in real estate, never had any other jobs, but I was still pursuing my music career fairly heavily. So, you know, I would do like 10 to 12 deals, maybe 15 at max sort of situation. Um, and that was like, you know, enough to pay the bills. And, and I wasn't I wasn't at uh, Remax at the time. I was at a different brokerage. Yeah. And and then after 2015, 16, started taking the business more seriously um, and been like, you know, consistently in about the 25 range, you know, region ever since. And that's while getting engaged and married and buying a house and starting my my life. So, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at today. And then and then, you know, we're looking to, you know, really, really positively impact that and, and produce, you know, close to double that is 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 the is the end goal for now until we get there and i'm sure end goals change um like anything when you're growing your business right but sure um trying to trying to wrap it up to about uh to about 35 to 40 deals okay so what was some of your takeaways like we had a conversation yesterday what it, what's going on in your brain then for what you might want to uh tackle for 2021 to to grow your sales yeah for 2021 i think biggest thing is that Obviously, database is extremely important. Adding people to your database is extremely important. Um, you know, adding people to your database during COVID isn't easy because it's not 
the traditional going out, you know, you're not at a party every weekend or you're not at this thing every weekend. So you can't really go meet people at Adam in the traditional way. So you have to get creative. Um, social media is going to play a, a massive role in that, um, you know, online sort of like mixer chats and things are starting to become a more popular sort of way to, to get a hold of people. But more importantly, like touching base on like adding additional streams of revenue. Um, one of the things that I built my bones off of and um, have, you know, created like some of my best A plus clients from is for sale by owners, hmm. expired listings, things like that. So definitely going to start doubling down on that because, you know, it's, when I first started, um, it was a hundred percent of my business. Wow. The first listing I ever got was a for sale by owner. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's hard business too. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> someone who knows you in your database is a, is a piece of cake compared to talking to a stranger. Yeah. I mean like, but at the same time, like when I, when I started, everybody was a stranger, right? Like, like I, I, the first referral I ever got was um, one of my close friends who used to work at Shaw Cable with me. That was the job I had prior to getting into real estate. Yeah. His wife worked at a lawyer's office and she referred somebody um, they were going through some marital issues and, and she, the, the lady wanted to sell her home and, and uh, I didn't know her from, from a hole in the wall. Right. And hmm. so she was a stranger and she was somebody who I was, I was, uh, I was going to work with. Um, that was after my first listing, which I had gotten in North Delta, which was a sale by owner. And um, funny enough, like I clicked with a, like, not, I didn't have a bad relationship with either clients, but the referral and, and me didn't have any, common ground really but like the person who was a for sale by owner yeah at first they were big bad and mean like most fizzbos are sure but then you know we clicked man and like i still talk to that guy to this day he he, he sold his house in north delta and moved to saskatoon but you know i still call him and, and shoot the shit with him here and again right hmm. yeah do you think there's a like do you get a certain satisfaction off of the conversion process like i know what you mean by you know fizzbos come with some baggage usually oh, right yeah. And they then, they hate commission salespeople. Yeah, totally. But then if you manage to convert one, that that's a sense of pride and, and accomplishment, right? Yeah, but I mean, like same time, like I like my entire life has been like that kind of hustling, right? Like I, I like when I was at um, when I when I graduated high school, like, I didn't go to college or anything. I, I wasn't really up for any sort of post secondary thing, and I started um, working at Future Shop um, in the camera department or it's actually not the camera department, like the iPod department. And wow. I worked a Christmas season. I did like the best sales out of everybody. And they still let me go after seasonal because they were like, ah, you're just not a right fit. You're, you know, loud and out there and you're not really <laughs> focused and basically just described me to a T. And then they let me go. And then like, I was like, fuck this, man. I was like, I'm not, I was like, there's no way I'm going to let like this kind of a commission job go. And I, I literally called them after January 15th, like yeah. every single day. And I'm not joking, like every single single day until they hired me back on until march wow did you make it you made a ton of money over the christmas season with them yeah i made good money for a like relatively speaking yeah yeah (laughs) for for an 18 year old i think i made like like 10 grand that month or something like that holy shit and then uh and then like when i started in march then they were like okay well we have a position for you in cameras i didn't really care because i was like a musician i i wanted to be in the ipod department because i thought it was cool because we used to sell car audio and subwoofers and stuff and i was into all that at the time right like boom systems and stuff and you used to put those in your car right oh so I yeah no i used to know a lot about that stuff. yeah and then i got into the camera department didn't know anything about cameras uh didn't know anything about you know cell phone sales and stuff but then like 
I did that career uh, and it was just converting people, like, you know, convincing them not to go to wireless wave and this and that. And like, at like 19 or 20, I think, you know, I was making like a hundred grand selling phones. That's so, unbelievable. Like, you know, but at the same time I worked those grunt hours, right? Like I worked pretty much 10 to 10 to nine. That was, those were, those were store hours. I worked 10 to nine, six days a week. I didn't, I didn't stop. Wow. <laughs> so for me, for sale by owners were natural because it was just, Hey, list with me, not, not by yourself. Yeah. Huh. So you see here, so this year, I mean, obviously pandemic has messed everything up, but looking ahead to somewhat of what, if we can say a a new normal or a settling down of restrictions, you see yourself tackling uh, FISBOs again. Yeah. FISBOs expired listings. Um, Actually, after our meeting yesterday, I did this, I did the same thing. I got on the horn and I started calling people, right? Like, like I implemented it right away. Hmm. Um, I, I had an, ex- I have a, I have like a listing, uh, expired listing system kind of already in place for my business. So I just went through my old leads and, you know, a couple of those guys I had decent conversations with and I called them and said, hey, it's Dave from Remax. I know we haven't spoken since the start of the pandemic, but, you know, it looks like you haven't sold your place and what's going on. And, you know, one of those guys was super responsive and he's like, dude, you couldn't have called at a better time. He's like, I hate my house. It's so small. This was, <laughs> yet, like, this was yesterday after we talked? Yeah. yeah wow. After we talked and, and I'm, I'm sending him a assessment and, and, you know, we'll probably get that place on the market in the next couple of weeks here. So what is your, what, what when you say like you've got an expired system, like mm-hmm. what, what does that, what does that mean? What are you doing to, to key in on, on certain listings? It sounds super complicated. Like I made it made it sound like I'm Elon Musk and I came up with some crazy like uh, complicated <laughs> system. But it's a it's a fucking two dollar binder from the dollar store with a uh, with a cheap expired listing tag that I made. Yeah. Um, that I think I got like Simi when she used to work for us to make yeah. for me, and I slapped that on the top front of the thing, and I just add the listings in there, and I I I have them I have them organized by different sub areas. Yeah. In like Surrey and Langley, and then I just add the listings in there. I go and talk, I go knock the door and I'll just write, you know, on December 16th at 10, 15 AM, nobody home. You know, if I go back December 20th, I'll just write, you know, 11, you know, 42 AM, uh, someone answered, slam door on my face. You know what I mean? Wow. And I'll just keep, and I'll just keep like, like the notes of like literally what happened. Um, and then of course you have to have like a gauge too, right? If you two, three times you go there and they keep slamming the door in your oh, face, sure. like, you know, don't put your energy into somebody who's not, like nasty like that. But if they say, Hey, look, you know, we've just changed our mind. We're not really looking to sell. Uh, and you try to have the conversations like, Hey, is this forever? Like, are you never going to sell? And they go, well, maybe in a year or two. And like, we're in the long game, right? Like, mm-hmm. So you, you have to remember to keep in touch with those people over the next year or two. And it's tough to do that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the only way to get this expired thing to work for you. Hmm. Wow. That's, a that's, that's, I mean, that's grunt work. That's, that's grunt, grunt sales one oh one. So is. do you have, have you done this long enough to kind of figure out some, um, some measurables in terms on like rate of return? How many, how many you got to go to, to get one? Have you ever done measured that? You know what? I, I'd be a liar if I said I, I, took it down to that level of a science. I mean, I'm getting more into those kind of analytics and stuff for my business um, over the last year or so, just because, you know, it does definitely help. Um, it, it more or less, I, I find it just helps with your psyche when you're doing those things. Uh-huh. Um, it's more for the salesperson than it is for anything else. Cause it's like, okay, cool. I've done, you know, I've done 10. It only takes 12 to get a listing and you know, in the next two. So your confidence keeps building up as you're knocking more and more doors or, calling more and more expired so i mean i I don't really do it but um 
more or less, I kind of have a better gauge as to what those leads are looking for and how to kind of engage those leads into a positive conversation. Like that's, that's something that I've, I've gotten better and better at it and kind of honed in on, on that particular skill. Like you mean when you're conversing with the person who owns the home, you've gotten yeah. better at figuring out what maybe is under the surface that they're not saying that they really want. Yeah. Like, like when I first got into the business, um, when I was at Sutton West coast, like a lot of the guys at that particular office used to do that. And, um, you know, you go with some of the guys who are, who are doing it long-term and, I always found like for some reason, like I, I don't know why why people do this in sales jobs. They always think hide, hiding answers and hiding your motives is a better way to convert sure. leads. And like yeah. it's just if you're like bluntly honest with what your intention is, like hey, I I will need to list your home. Like hundred percent, let them know. Like right. you are looking looking for a listing. Like sure, they'll be like, well, we're not ready to list, of course. But like, don't you want that? Don't you want that sort of um, objection up front rather than like hiding around and dancing yeah. around the inevitable objection. Like you rather just get them to say that to you up front and then overcome that objection and move forward. And the other thing is like, don't go talk shit about the last realtor who had it listed because 99.9% of the time it was a referral. And or, they know that or a person. Family, a family member too. So like, often. A lot of times so people are, are involved with somebody out of a connection. Yeah. Like I had like, like one of my best clients, like, they were with uh, they were with a realtor who was their their best friend's daughter, and mm. uh, and she was like one foot in the business and one foot out. And I was like, hey, listen, with all due respect, like you know, I I know you you may know this particular realtor, but this is the, to my opinion, the industry standard of how marketing materials should look. Yeah, and this is where yours were at, and this is where mine are at, and uh, this may have had something to do with your home not selling and he he took that respectfully he's like hey you know what at the end of the day like i kind of twisted her arm on her commission and did this and did that and he he came he right. came to the conclusion himself that he may have caused those problems he cheaped out than, so she cheaped out yeah exactly and then i yeah. rather than you know beating her up and saying how terrible of a realtor she is it's just like you still have to maintain that class because you're going to someone's door unsolicited and, and like <laughs> you know, like or sorry you're soliciting them um without them you know wanting you to be there so that level of class that you have to have when you go to those doors um has to be world class like you have you have to have that really like that that fine touch right that elegant sort of um, approach to to talking to them do you feel like if you get an invite back so if you have a convo yeah and then somebody says hey yeah why don't you come and, and whether this is a week later or six months later yeah. you're now invited into the home for a real meat and potatoes conversation yeah. From that point, what do you think your close rate is? Like, are you 70%, 50%, 90%? Um, at, the, at that point, like, if I'm actually sitting at their house and I'm yeah. doing an assessment for them, yeah. they're listening with me. It's not, we're not, like, talking about the possibility. We're talking about let's do this thing. Because, like, it, it, there's enough stuff that I've been sending to them sure. over the course of a week or two yeah. for them to kind of get there. It's more like, yeah, the, you're obviously like any listing appointment, you're going to have hangups. Like expired listings are like people who have been in a, in a car accident and then you're asking them to drive the next day. You know what I mean? Like they got mm -hmm. a little PTSD, they got a little PTSD from having their home on the market. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to show them like what things and what actions are, are going to take place for you to avoid 
um, those things that cause that stress and that cause that um, that trauma, which comes with listing, which is like, you know what? Half the time it's to service your damn listings. Like, I don't know why we don't service our listings more in this market. Like, you know, just be at your damn showings. Like, how busy are you? Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you have 150 listings, okay, I get it. You can't be at all of them. But you have like five, you can't be at, at an appointment and open the door for the other realtor and greet the buyer. And even with COVID and, and actually make sure they're wearing their gloves and their masks. And like, and you're, your seller who doesn't know you that well uh-huh. is still being sold on you the first 30 days while you have that house list. Uh-huh. So like it's, it's a lot of the time it's like, if you're going to go into their house, they're already going to sign the listing, but your job's not done yet. Converting that expired. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. For sure. Do you, my, so I have a perception. Uh, I've never, I've done literally like less than 10 expireds in my life. And that might even be high. So I have a, I have a perception and tell me if this is true. My perception has been that if you manage to, um, you know, get one or, or success, you know, get something successfully, the commission conversation is easier because they've already had what is presumably a negative or unsuccessful experience. So then now they're going on the second go round, we can't cheap out. We got to do this right. Is that a, is that a true or not a true statement? Is that fair? Uh, you know what? I would actually say it's a polar opposite. It's really? Polar opposite. Yeah. So it's because a grind. They, it's a grind on the commission. Grind. It's a big time grind. And okay. A, like, it, it, like the best way to put it is like, you know, imagine, imagine you go try like, like a CrossFit class, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you blow your shoulder out and you're like, dude, F that. Never going to try this shit again. I'm just yeah. going to stick to regular, like walking, right? I'm not lifting no weight. Yeah. And, and basically you get this, like, ah, uh, you got this like weird, like tension in your mind. The thing is, the reason why you blew your shoulder out was because you never really did your research on how to do that exercise correctly. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and the same same thing with with like with the real estate side of things is that the reason why they had such a terrible experience was because they didn't do their research as to what things they should be focused on as sellers. They were too fixated on the you know two and a half three percent that you're charging um, realistically mm-hmm. on an average. They weren't focused on you know the ninety seven and a half or ninety eight percent. Uh, the return they're going to get on their investment, which is like what they're actually selling their home for, right? Uh-huh. So it really becomes like an educating process. Like you have to educate them as to what their focuses need to be as sellers, because most of the time, expired listings, if they have an immaculate home, they want too much money for it. Sure. If they if they don't have an immaculate home, they're fixated on um, commissions because they don't really have the money to repair the home. Maybe right. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just a, something from my experience. Yeah, right? these are generalizations, um, but they're probably yeah, yeah, mostly true. Yeah, totally. Exactly. And yeah. then sometimes it's just a guy who has a decent house. It's it's a normal run in the mill house. He's got a ton in savings. He doesn't really need to make the move, uh, and he's just a grinder because he's cheap, and that's okay. Like mm-hmm. everyone's allowed to be cheap. I'm cheap. Like you know, I don't want to pay for certain services full pop all the time either. I'll grind the shit out of anybody when I go somewhere. But at the end of the day. Um, you know, if, if the value is there, I pay for it, right? Like, you know, if anybody who knows me in the brokers, they know, you know, I'm into in, into my cooking and stuff. And trust me, I, I pay big bucks for, for some of the stuff that I, I buy and I use in my kitchen. So uh, if there's a value prop there, they'll pay. But mm-hmm. if, if the value prop isn't, there, isn't made by realtors that often. 
and, that, and there's no way people. that's happened. That's the problem too. The value prop wasn't there the first go around. Exactly, and like yeah. as realtors too, like we need to elevate our game and like not walk into like you know the board and like you know like you you walk into this business. A lot of realtors don't know anything about real estate when they get into into real estate. I was one of them. Uh, and then you just ask around, like, so how much commission do we charge? And they're like, oh, seven and two and a half. Oh, cool. I charge seven and two and a half now, too. And it's like, <laughs> well, what, like, what the fuck are you doing to provide seven and two and a half worth of value? Because seven and two and a half is a lot of money. Like, yeah. we get paid really good money for what we do for a living. But it's like, you know, make sure you're providing that value, that white glove service, not just seven and two and a half, because, you know, Bob, Dave and Joe are charging seven, two and a half. Like, make sure you actually are are providing all that value behind it. And when you go to an expired or a FISBO, and if you have, um, you know, you don't, you're not as fortunate enough to have a massive book of business getting into this business. You need to make sure your value prop is higher than everybody else's for you to charge those commissions, especially when you're going to have to go um, and to go do these sort of, you know, bottom feeder for a letter, you know, lack of a better term, sort of leads, which is like expired listings for sale by owners, um, you know, terminated listings. These are, these are tough, tough cookies to, to crack here, man. But you have to really yeah. have your value prop and yourself sorted out. Yeah. Well, and just like there's no, there's, there's, there is no standard value prop. Little plug here, you know, service announcements for David Rochelle. There is no standard commission in the industry no, either. Of course not. You alluded to seven, two and a half, which uh, of course, you know, a lot of people do that, but there's, there's actually a lot of people that charge more than seven, oh, two and a half. And oh, people don't question paying it because their value proposition is so much better than the average. And if you're better than the average, then the market will dictate your value. I was talking to a guy who does bigger land deals the other day, and he was working for like this, like in this sort of like a development conglomerate of, of investors. Yeah. And they wanted him to go out and do something, which was like a two year project. Um, and he's like, well, dude, like, I don't know if I'm going to get paid from this at the end of the day. And I don't have two years of my life to dedicate to you. And they're like, well, who said we don't want to pay you? And, you know, then there was a conversation about a retainer. Like, at the end of the day, there's different ways we can charge. But I'm saying generally, unfortunately, people just walk into the business and they ask a few of their peers at the office what they charge. And then they mimic that structure. And uh, nothing wrong with, with you wanting to get paid good money for your job. But again, I think the point is like if you're going to be going for any sort of business, whether it's referrals, expires, for sale by owners database, doesn't really make a difference. It's like you need to make sure your value prop is there so that not only are you elevating um, your own game, but also a reflection of our industry, which is, you know, often beat up and tarnished more often than not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. So uh, you're a new you're a new entry into the world of Buffini as of a few months yeah. ago. Is that right? Yeah, like I've had even been a month. So what's your initial takeaways? Because you you are not like your style. I mean, you're a sales grunt. You yeah. you told your you, you told your your background of pounding cell phones and you know, you're not afraid to get in the trenches. And that is not necessarily uh the Buffini way. So what's yeah. your what's your uh early takeaways from the Buffini program? I think like look, like with anything, man you have to grow as an individual, right? Like, you know, I always, I'm a music guy, right? So I always go, Jay-Z is not the same Jay-Z he was when Reasonable Doubt came out. Yeah, right? very he, true. Yeah, He's not He's not like Harlem, possibly was a drug dealer Jay-Z anymore. He's no. like, 
he's like John Carter. The did you say possibly business. was a drug dealer? I think it's confirmed <laughs> that he was a drug dealer. <laughs> so, I'm saying he's he's now Sean Carter, like the businessman, and same with P Diddy, right? Like Sean, he's Sean Combs, the businessman. Yes. They're no longer they're no longer their alter egos. And just because Dave Bowa was like a young, loud, arrogant hustler from Victoria, doesn't mean that Dave Bowa can't become Dave Bowa the businessman who's a little bit more refined and talks less like a trucker and maybe leaves like the hip hop R and B sort of vibe at home and, you know, talks like a professional. So that's why I went to Buffini and like, it's, it is cheesy stuff. Like it's super cheesy, very Americanized stuff that doesn't work in Canada, but you have to take it with a grain of salt and apply it to your business. And, and at the end of the day, the results work. Like they give you these cheesy scripts where you call people who you possibly had a couple of beers with in the past and maybe you sold them a house if you were lucky enough and now you're going to call them and ask them if, hey, it's Dave, would you still work with me if you had a chance and, mm -hmm. you know, all those things. And, like, I wasn't going to make that call, but I kind of, you know, I mean, you rehearsed like a, a little watered down or, mm -hmm. or more, more refined. A Canadian, a Canadianized script of the same thing that, that, exactly. that can float in our circles. If you talk yeah. like that with your friends around here, like with my friends, I, I, I think I might just get punched straight in the face. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and, and, I, and I called one of my guys yesterday and he's like, Hey, actually funny enough. He's like, we're, he's like, we, um, he's like, we bought this place privately from one of our relatives who, who, uh, you know moved out of the out of the country he goes but we were actually going to call you in the next two days uh because we we're thinking about selling the place that you sold us a few weeks ago and i don't know why you think we wouldn't want to work with you mm -hmm. you know what i mean so yeah. so so it's like it's nice because it opens up uh this conversation that you think that you would have never had with your people but also reconfirms this thing so i i really think this stuff works really well but you do have to change it according to your personality and the reason why i did it was to not always just be a, you know, sales grunt. Like I, I love to have that, that, that sort of dynamic. I like to have that in my character, but you know, why not work on it, build on it, get better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't have any, I mean, by, by proof of your history, you, you don't have fear surrounding going out and getting work done. Whereas some people that's, that's their hang up in sales, right? Like picking up the phone and talking to a stranger is the biggest challenge for you. That's not the biggest challenge. Your challenge is, is you're, you've been become so good at proficient at founding new business. You maybe lacked an awareness of how much was going out the back door or not even aware of what was available to you in the back door. If you took better care of what you already had, is that fair? Yeah. Like, you know, it's one of those things. Like I, I think, you get so caught up in the chase, the hustle, yeah. Um, just like the fun of it, like you know what I mean. Like it, there is a little bit of an edge. Like some guys just that's what turns their crank, right? Like it's like, yeah. it's like getting getting the uh, getting that deal, getting the deal done. But you realize you're like, oh man, like I could have I could have just maybe gone to lunch with this one client who I already know. I wouldn't have had to do any closing or selling or aggressive stuff, and I would have been able to get two referrals. Uh, and you kind of think, and then, and then, you know, when you're older, you get the wiser you get, you're like, Hey, let's get, let's work smarter, not work harder. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, where do you get your passion for cooking from? Um, I think it's just like, it's two things. My mom was a cook or my mom is a cook. She's a chef. Actually. She has three restaurants in Victoria. So what kind of restaurants does she have? Cook. She has, uh, three Indian restaurants. So she, we have like, we oh, have my like goodness. the, we kind of got like the market share of like the sit down, have nice cocktails, proper Indian fine dining experience in Victoria. We don't have like a little takeout 
it's not one of those like you know curry shacks or anything like that like it's a nice spot downtown <laughs> right so we so mom's huh. got that going on um and she's she's done that and my dad has now taken you know he's full managing in there and my sister manages in there and it's like a family business so uh, i think the cooking side i get that from but just i'm generally a creative person man i need to be creating something all the time like i've you know like I, as you guys know i'm a singer songwriter um i got a couple albums under my belt i'm always writing music and stuff so like for me i need to be creating something all the time for me to keep my brain working so cooking is cool because like you know you start off with raw ingredients the ones that are available at save on for everybody yeah except for like not everybody can make it what i can make it and sure. that's the kind of that's the beauty of it so what do you what do you cook like what's your christmas day or what's your what's a thing that you'll do over the holidays so i'm like super weird about my cooking man i like sit there <laughs> and research i like i sit there and research for like maybe two months month and a half prior to the day that i'm going to make something like if it's a special occasion sure like christmas so like recently i've been like hey man i'm gonna make like a prime rib roast mm. but i'm like trying to find the right cut the right you know recipe the right seasonings the right methods and everything and like i've um I'm also like, it's just me and Mun at home. Yeah. So making a prime rib for two people, you also have to buy a really small cut. Yeah. So you're going to have to cook it for a lot less time than you would for a traditional big family cut. Um, and then I've considered, you know, different, different things, man. I just like, I'm always just like, like scouring YouTube and different like cooking blogs and stuff. But, um, I'm sure I'll post something in the little low group on Christmas day. I watched, I watched a guy yesterday on YouTube do a three rib like standing rib roast, which apparently yeah. is slightly different than a prime rib roast, but just different sections of the rib. Mm -hmm. yeah, it, yeah, it was yeah. not a large cut. And so yeah. what he did is he, you know, he put the meat probe in and, you know, he seasoned it up and whatever you want to do. And then he had yeah. it on a rack in the oven. He had his oven set for 270 and he let yeah. it come up to temperature super slow. And this was all because it was a small cut of meat. Yeah. Um, and it took, it took hours to get up to temperature. And then once he had internal temp of like, let's say like 120, I think, or something like that, he took yeah. it out, then cranked the oven up to like five or 550, as high as it could go. And yeah. then just took the last, you know, 15 minutes to crust it with the high heat. Yeah. And then yeah. internally, it probably got up to, you know, like 130, which is like nice, medium, rare. Um, yeah. And I, I thought watching that, I was like, that's a good way to cook a small cut. Because if yeah. you're too hot with a small cut, you can, it's too hard to control that internal temp. For sure. For sure. And like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta like really be involved, man. Like when you're, like when you're making like something that's just like very delicate, like that, you have to make sure you're, you're kind of watching over your oven is not one of those, you know, set it and forget it sort of situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're, you're, by the end of it, you're tired and like, you know, it's it's one of those things. Most people, most cooks, they they cook for the other person that's in the room. Like I cook, I cook to see if Mun likes it, right? And then I'll I'll probably end up, you know, just eating a little bit of it. And be like, oh, cool. But like with the birria tacos, I was more happy that that everybody on Instagram and in our brokerage was like messaging me about it. I think I had like two oh, tacos that day. Those looked, those looked unbelievable. That was, yeah, uh, those are, those you dip, you dipped the corn tortilla in a hot sauce or whatever, right? That you had made? Yeah, so it's just like a brine. Like, it's just like a, a stew, essentially. And right. Like, it's, not, it's not really hot, to be honest with you. Okay. It's more like smoky and flavorful. It was like, the meat juices, I, right? Yeah, it's like the meat juices mixed up with like a blend of like the, the actual, like the skin of like the spice itself. Yeah. And, and then like, yeah, you like, you end up using like your Vitamix or whatever like blender you have and like 
you make it into this like like you know just straight up translucent sort of gravy dip thing and then yeah. you dip the tortilla in it throw in your cast iron it gets a sear and then you like stuff all your stuff in the middle and like it's like a it's a very like it looks like a very taco bellish type of thing but it tastes like like you can't compare it to taco well Bell, and the char the, the char that you got on the cast iron is yeah. i mean that that's incredible with that sauce yeah, I think we're going to have to make, like, I'm going to have to make that in mass for, like, when we're allowed to finally all be together at the brokerage. And I'll uh-huh. just, like, we'll, like, set up, we'll set up shop outside of Abbotsford and, like, you know, how many realtors do we have? Like, 200 or something? Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. Make, I'm going to have to make a massive batch. We can go to, uh, we can go to, uh, we can go to Pam Stunenberg's house, her backyard. She's got a massive covered patio in Fort Langley. We'll, yeah. we'll get you set up at a taco stand in her backyard. That That, that would work amazing. Let's let's do that. Like whoever whoever's willing to host all the lunatics in one spot, <laughs> I think Pam would be up for it. We'll ask her. <laughs> yeah. If not, we can just go to uh, Adam Jahari's condo. <laughs> a little tight, a little tight. <laughs> we'll fit in. Hey, uh, this has been fun. Thanks, Thanks my, man. my man. This is uh, I. I look forward to seeing more cooking videos over the holiday season. We didn't even get into the cocktails, but you know, we won't, yeah. maybe we'll do that another time, but I want to see an old fashioned recipe out of you. And, uh, we chatted about this yesterday, but I, th- I think you should start incorporating, uh, some of this stuff in with your clients and your database. Like you're, yeah. you're awesome in the kitchen and you know what you're doing. And, uh, that would be a super cool item of value to be, um, to be sending people, you know, cooking videos or, or, or things of that nature. I appreciate it, man. No, I, I definitely, I'm definitely going to take you up on that advice. Okay. Well, we will uh, chat again. Have a Merry Christmas and uh, hope to see you soon. Yeah. So, so talk to you soon, bro. Send me the link whenever this is posted. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get it. We're going to get this up. Uh, I mean, I, when people are listening to this, they're going to know this, but we're going to get this up before the Christmas break so that uh, we have this podcast format uh, throughout the uh, throughout the holiday holiday break. Can you send me the audio file too, so I can like chop up some parts and use it like Abs- as a absolutely yeah. Send me your head, send me like your headshot or whatever, and then I'll like make a little like Instagram post me and you like whatever, and then I'll put that to- up as a as a post. Totally, yeah. We'll 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 make it happen. All right, bro. Okay, see you, dude. Take care. All right, bye. Bye. There we go. That was Dave Bawa. Uh, love that guy. He's he is he presented himself. He's creative. Um, he's super creative. I spent about an hour and a half with him yesterday. We were just going over some of his stuff for 2021. And he is a, it's no joke. He's a chef. He's an artist and he's a sales hog. That guy is not afraid of much. And I'm excited to see him, um, embrace some of the Buffini models and get more efficient with his uh, already existing database. So hope you guys enjoyed that. And we will talk to you again soon. Bye for now.